Welcome to the Adaptive Collaborative Podcast, connecting the adaptive communities. Hosted by James Norris, founder of Handy Capable Fitness, and Melissa DeCellis, founder of Adaptively Abled Amputees and Adaptively Abled Fitness. Everybody is ready. Without further ado, I would like to welcome everybody to episode five of the Adaptive Collaborative Podcast. James Norris of Handy Capable Fitness and myself, Melissa DeCellis of Adaptively Abled Amputees and Adaptively Abled Fitness are so excited to have on the show tonight Robert Anthony. He is the founder of Limb Possible. He is a care coordinator for Hanger Clinics. He plays on the U.S. amputee soccer team. He plays on one of the only stand-up amputee basketball teams, which started through Amp One Basketball, and then inspired him to start his own organization when possible. He's been on several TV shows. He was on season nine of the American Ninja Warrior. And when he's not doing all that, I hear he's recently started to train for triathlon. So we have quite a powerhouse with us here today. And... <laughs> I would love for you to share a little bit more about your story for people who may not know you. Yeah, well, one, thank you so much for that wonderful intro, and uh, I appreciate that. Um, it's an honor to be on the show and to share my story on your platform, um, as you guys have amazing stories, and I admire what you both have done, you know, and James was Spartan, and you, Melissa, were just CrossFit, so um, it's an honor to kind of be in your presence. But, <clears throat> yeah, I lost my leg when I was 10 months old. So I was born with a birth defect called fibula hemimilia. And my mom at the time, you know, she was really questioning. She was 22 years old and uh, was wondering how and what she was going to do as a mother um, raising a son with a disability. She trusted the inside of doctors and amputated my leg. So I only have a tibia bone. And I've had every type of prosthesis growing up because obviously back then technology was not what it is today. So I was uh, I was more than a guinea pig, if you will, with certain products um, and certain things growing up. Um, when I was three years old, uh, my house burned down. And unfortunately, for, unfortunately, I lost my grandmother in that fire. And uh, that caused my mom to have to pick up a second job. And her and my aunt raised me um, as my father was in and out of my life. So I was always going back and forth to his house with my mom and bouncing around everywhere. And uh, my dad, luckily, he had six other children. So I'm one of seven um, through my dad's side. So I had a ton of brothers, sister, brothers and sisters there, and they would make fun of me. Um, they would hide my leg. They would do everything to give me tougher skin so that this way when I got to school, kids made fun of me. Um, at least I heard it at home first, and it didn't hurt as much as when other kids said it. So um, within that, fortunately, growing up, I was also um, a victim of abuse. So um, growing up felt like I was in the twilight zone. It was extremely hard, and I didn't know what my life would be like. But I knew that when I was an adult and I had control over my life, that I would do something special. And that uh, when I had full control over what I said and did, that I would be a better father, a better husband, a better person um, in my life. And I made that promise to myself as a child going through those situations. But I never met any amputees. Not until I was about 17, 18, I met Cameron Clapp, who was the first amputee that I've ever met. He walked into the office uh, in New York and my jaw dropped. And from there, uh, he kind of changed my perspective, him and Kevin Carroll. And, but I was still hiding, and I was insecure about my leg. And uh, Cameron gave me a little bit of confidence, but I wasn't there just yet. And I was rapping at the time. So um, I, I had a rap group called Prophecy. 
um, Chino Vega, a lot of videos on YouTube. You guys can check them out. Um, and I had braids and long hair, and it was a great time of my life. You couldn't tell me I wasn't going to be a famous rapper. Like, you could not tell me that I wasn't the prosthetic like Tupac. Like, that's what I thought I was. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's growing up in New York, it wasn't easy, and, but I was light-skinned. I had curly hair, so I had the braids. But um, I went to Holy Trinity in Long Island, and I had some behavior issues, and I moved to Arizona in my senior year in high school. And from there, made a lot of transitions. And I started getting more involved with my prosthetist, uh, Sue Whistler, um, at Hangar. When I got back from Arizona, she encouraged me. She said, I know you want to rap and you're great, but there's a TV show looking for, you know, looking for actors and for amputees. And it was Ink Masters. So it was the tattoo show, season one, um, episode five. And so they, she was like, submit, you know, maybe you'll get on. So I did. I got on. It was a great opportunity. And it opened up my eyes to get involved more. I became a certified peer advisor. Um, and through that, then I just started trying to work my way up the chain, trying to find jobs for two or three years, could not get in the industry, thought I should be a prostitute, and I uh, found AMP1, and that changed my life. And then from there, I was able to get a job at East Coast Orthotics and Prosthetics, and then just kind of build my career from that way up. Well, you kind of hit on it. You kind of hit on everything that was in this next question, but maybe you missed something and maybe you want to elaborate on it a little bit more. But one thing that I took away from everything that you just said was it was challenge after challenge after challenge. You know, not only being an amputee, but losing your grandmother, then the physical abuse. And a lot of people would just fold it in and say, you know what, I'm just going to go to the streets. I'm going to do whatever. What made you say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm going to keep going. And how has all those challenges that you've overcome, how have they shaped you into who you are today? Wow. Thank, thank you for that, James. Um, to be completely honest with you, I, I did have my time where I did turn to the streets, uh, where I was affiliated with a lot of gang members and uh, did a ton of stuff that I'm not proud of. So I did have that time in my life. And what happened was when I moved to Arizona, where it started to go, it came from New York to Arizona. And when you're there and you're from New York, then you're really like a big bad wolf out there. And I had my little brothers, I have two younger brothers, and they were following me. And we were getting into fights and just uh, a lot of things. And I realized how much um, power I had in that sense of them and my other friends around me um, who, were listening, who were listening to me. And so once I, uh, my rap group name was Prophecy, and which actually I have tattooed on my wrist. It's an acronym. It stands for a powerful revolution of people helping each other succeed. Why? Because we have to. And so I carried that out there in Arizona and I just made sure I just used that prophecy um, and that mentality. And I started switching it up from uh, doing the negative things into the positive uh, because I realized people were actually following what I was doing. So I didn't want to lead them down a bad path. Wow. I, I, I love the acronym. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> So, not only did you get to meet your first amputee at 18, but of all the amputees on the planet, it was the Cameron Club, who <laughs> seems like a superhuman to most. So, what was that experience like, meeting Cameron and being able to identify with somebody else living with not only one limb missing, but three limbs missing? And... What do you think was the turning point for you where you finally started to accept yourself and celebrate your being different and living with one loss? Yeah, I mean, man, Cameron, you guys know if you met him, 
uh, is like a superhuman uh, to a lot of people. And when I first saw him, like my jaw dropped. I was in awe of just who and how he is and the way he carried himself. And he's really the first person that told me like, hey, man, you know, you can turn around and, and make this into something. Uh, and this is like right around the top also when unfortunately his brother passed away. So he was going through a lot. And it was really interesting to just see how he handled all of that at the same time. And for me to actually see it and witness it uh, in per person, uh, you know, you just really admire someone who has that type of strength, who can carry themselves that way and continue to keep pushing and not only pushing themselves, but then pushing other people too and telling them that they can do it. Hey, if I'm going through this, you can, you know, whatever you went through, you can get through it and, um, and it can and will be better. So Cam was the first person that opened up my eyes to that. And now that I do more, he's just, you know, he's like a brother now, you know? And so I love to share stories with him. We always look back and we've been able to collaborate on projects and do a lot of work over the years. And to think of how far we've come, uh, I'm honored to, you know, be aligned with him. In that same interview, you divulged that, you know, music was your first big break. And you kind of alluded to it in the beginning where you were like, okay, I'm going to be the first amputee rapper. I'm going to make this thing happen. But what was it specifically about music that, that grew you in and helped, helped you cope with all your challenges? The same thing that I think that a lot of us, um, why we love music is just that feeling, especially when you're a kid, you know, and you didn't have maybe your parents or the people to go to and you couldn't relate. It was a song that gave you that feeling. It was a, a beat, you know, um, lyrics, that uh, made you connect and made you feel like you were more powerful, especially when you saw coming from New York and you saw you know people going through hard times and saying, hey, well, they became a famous rapper um, or they gained rec recognition off of their negative situation. Now they're talking and telling the world about it and people love them for it. So you, you, know, you aspire to be that, you know? And so, but music also was just a way that my siblings and I connected. I grew up in a house of music. My parents were always just kind of jamming. So um, whenever I felt bad, you know, you could put on some tunes and switch a mood just like that. So um, that feeling, you know, uh, my uncle, so we just did it Sunday. We were at my uncle's house on Sunday, Rapper's Delight. Right. So he's a big old school hip hop head. So I had a cassette uh, tape player back in the day, like 96. And he would make me tapes, you know, for Rapper's Delight. So if you put on Rapper's Delight right now, I can literally rap like the first 10 minutes without stopping because he's put it in my head. You know, um, so music and that that genre, you know, really just kind of allowed us to escape. And that's what it did for me. I too grew up in the inner city and I did most of my growing up in the 90s. So you will find my fascination with 90s rap always playing as part of my playlist when I'm working out in the gym. <laughs> so Robert, once you, once you started to fully accept yourself and you wanted to be able to do the same for other amputees, you became an amputee peer mentor what was that experience like and what has been your most rewarding experience as a peer mentor for somebody else? Yeah. I mean, I think, so my first experience was uh, meeting a 46 year old diabetic male and uh, just going there, talking to him for an hour. He was telling me how much he was changed my life. And I mean, excuse me, how much I changed his life, but he didn't realize he was changing my life at that exact moment because I knew this was something that I wanted to do more. 
And he said, you know what, if I would have met you, I would have amputated my leg six months ago. You know, when they t first told me that I needed to do this, I, I would have never let me got that far. You know, um, he could have been a BK and he had to end up being an AK, right? Um, and it's just, it was a tough situation. And that always sticks out to me. And then along the road, just kind of being a patient advocate, uh, advocate, a, a peer advisor, um, giving people like us or anyone with a disability support has just been a dream come true because I didn't have that for so long. And every experience to me is I'm grateful for because I get a chance to meet people with, you know, from all walks of life, going through all different types of situations. And as I'm speaking to them, I'm learning about myself. And every instance, you know, I'm having to try to um, just make sure that I'm comforting them as well and that I'm listening and that I'm learning. So as I travel now, I've done this professionally, you know, for over six years. Uh, and been volunteering with my time doing it for over 10. So it's been such a different dynamic each time um, and each experience, but I do walk away every day just extremely thankful that I'm able to, um, you know, do well and, and do good, if you will, in a sense of having a career and support my two children and my wife, as well as making a difference at the same time. I absolutely love that. It's all about giving back, and that's that's truly what it's all about. But for those of for those of those people out there that aren't aware of what Ampon basketball is, can you tell us a little bit about your experience and how that experience inspired you to create Lim Possible? A thousand percent. Great question. Okay, James, just hit it on the head. I love it. I love it. Get <laughs> right like, to it. Like, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, so Amp One Basketball, so that's a, I got an Amp One jersey in the back hanging up on the wall. Um, Amp One changed my life. It was just an experience like no other. Um, going into it, I had no idea it was going to be what it was. And, um, you know, I'm a man of God, so uh, I just believe that time, the timing was just amazing and it wasn't on my time. And because if it was on my time, I was actually supposed to be on the team a year early, but I wasn't able to make it to the city and um, then I was getting ready to have my son. So it was just a lot going on at that time, but I ended up going the next year. So I joined Amp One in 2013 and um, Scott Odom, Tyler Hyatt, you know, um, it just Brian Vincent, they started Amp One. Those are the three gentlemen uh, who created it. And they are, they really spearheaded it for so many other athletes such as myself to have a platform to not only play basketball, um, but to then speak. And that's what we did. We went around and, you know, we spoke with schools. You know, we had a relationship with Nike. So we were playing NBA halftimes. Um, we were at the world, the Nike World Headquarters because Richard Ramsey, who's, um, you know, he's an upper extremity, one of the best, uh, you know, basketball players literally in the world. And we had a great uh, relationship and it was an um, a era that just won't be forgotten. And my third trip with Amp One, you know, we were focused on basketball and we wanted to show people that, amputees can play full court basketball just like anybody else in their prosthetic leg we didn't have to be in wheelchairs that we can do this full court basketball four quarters that was the mission but we were also using our platform to speak to kids and motivate kids my third trip we went to indiana and we spoke at a church our message was to never give up and you know we played the basketball game we won we spoke a little bit when we got back we uh, got a message on Facebook from a young lady who was 13 and she said that weekend she was thinking about committing suicide. You know, she wanted to take her life and that her best friend convinced her to go to the church to come see us speak and that our message to never give up changed her life because her parents were getting divorced. She wasn't doing good in school and she was just kind of, you know, giving us her list of why. 
and that our message truly changed her life. And right then and there, my mind exploded, and I said, "Hey, I love basketball. I love sports, but speaking was this is what I've. This is a calling. This is you know. This is there's a reason why we're doing this, and there's a reason why we're doing it this way. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was a part of Amp One up until about uh, till 2018, and so five great years. And then from there, um, you know, the founders they weren't a part of the organization anymore. So Tyler, Scott, Brian, they actually all walked away, um, and it was a lot of just different changes. So um, I decided to kind of step away myself, you know, create something that I can kind of stand behind that I had full control over, you know, um, to be completely honest, and and you know, and to to kind of just make sure that I'm doing the right thing by everyone. I didn't want it to just be about basketball. I wanted to be all inclusive, and so that was the vision, and that's what we're doing. Amazing. So your athletic accolades didn't just stop at basketball. You've pursued the Paralympic amputee crutching soccer team, and you played on the national team. You are also playing parasit volleyball. You've competed in Paris Spartan races, and now you're training for triathlons. That takes such extreme dedication. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what it's been like to train as a para-athlete and what motivates you to continue to raise the bar for both yourself and for others? Ooh, love it. I love it. Um, great question. Uh, being a para-athlete, so growing up, um, I didn't know any sport of anything that uh, consisted of someone with a disability. So I played with able-bodied athletes my entire life. That's just the only way that I knew how to play sports and that I knew that was available to me. And once I found um, <laughs> para sports, if you will, I started going crazy. It was just like, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. We all know how it is. You just got to get drunk off of being around your people, having fun. Yep. Um, just, it's just, there's no experience like it being on a team and just, and then the camaraderie as well, even with competitors within the sports, you know, it's just so, you know, unexplainable as we know, you have to be there to know that feeling. And oh man, so everything that I've competed in. So I've done sled hockey. That's the sled hockey jersey in the back. Um, obviously, I'm on the USA amputee soccer team. Um, I've done wheelchair softball, stand-up amputee basketball. Yep, I've played uh, on the development team for uh, USA sitting volleyball and uh, went to the Nationals last year. Last year, did the uh, World Spartan uh, Power ch uh, Championship. James, wait, what's up, man? Oh, we we got to get in there next year, right? Next year, hopefully. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Let's let's make it happen. I think James has convinced me to join you guys. So let's, let's make it happen. Yep, yep. So um all those sports are amazing and just being an adaptive athlete, once I found adaptive sports, uh, I fell in love. And you know, I'm thirty three years old and trying to figure out how I can play till fifty three, like it's just a, <laughs> you know, uh, just trying to do great things and um, because I love to compete and it's just so much fun. So uh, the biggest thing is also showing that my children that anything is possible. And uh, they're young. My daughter right now wants to go to the Amp Olympics um, for gymnastics. I don't want to correct her. Like, I don't know if that's wrong. You know, because they, they <laughs> I do you know, tell her Olympics, but I think it's real cute that she's saying Amp Olympics. So uh, but she wants to go to the Amp Olympics for uh, gymnastics. <laughs> But so for me, my new goal is, so USA, um, USA soccer, you know, we play, but it's not uh, a Paralympic sport. They only allow three soccers. In. So they allow, they have a uh, blind soccer, motorized wheelchair, um, and I forget the third, CP soccer, I think. But so we have been fighting to get 
you know, amputee soccer uh, on the Paralympic car, you know, um, and try, try to replace one of the three. So it's been a big battle. And so for this year, you know, I have a lot of friends who are gold medalists who have competed at the Paralympics, who um, have helped me push and decide to go and now compete for triathlon. So uh, I right now, the only problem is there are no races, so I can't really get any times. So that's a little bit of a struggle. Uh, so, but I'm just training and waiting uh, for the moment because the moment's going to come. And when that moment comes, I will be ready. And so I'm just kind of putting in the work. I don't know what happens. First objective is to make the team. Second objective is to beat the world. So, uh, you know, one step at a time or one hop at a time, if you will. Man, you, you got me ready to run through a wall. And I, I haven't <laughs> run a day in my life, but I'm, I'm ready to get up and do it. But – Listen, this next question, I'm really curious to see what your response is to this. You've been on several different TV shows and been exposed to a lot of different people. How, how has the able-bodied community perceived you going into these shows, especially so, something like American Ninja Warrior, where they're like, they've probably never seen anything like that before. And how have you seen their perception change afterwards, if any? Um, and, and, and who are we talking about specifically? Just people around me or? Just ab able-bodied people. Like when you showed up on the set of Amer American Ninja Warrior and, yeah, yeah. you know. So, I mean, able-bodied people <laughs> uh, in a lot of these sports, um, you know, they're in awe. And I didn't, you know, I, I still don't realize why sometimes, you know, but obviously it's just different to them but because I just do them um, and participate. And to me, they're normal. Uh, it's, it, it is interesting um, that I can tell someone, hey, this is what I do, and it's cool. But then when they actually see me whip out crutches or a video on, you know, on a pitch playing soccer with one leg on crutches, they're like, wait, what? You know, uh, <laughs> and my, like my son. My son, he, when I got him to play soccer his first year last year, uh, when he turned six, he was like, where's everybody's crutches? And I'm like, dude, you don't, you don't play this way. You don't, you know, you don't play on crutches. Um, you know, so they, people are, um, you know, they – they they call us an inspiration and it's funny because we have that you know that joke uh some of us had that inside joke just such an inspiration you know but it's good to show people that we can do anything and i use sports to show people what i can do instead of what i can absolutely love it so i'm gonna do an off-the-cuff question here cool. it seems Sorry. like you have instilled that competitive nature in your children and i bet you've been an incredible role model as a father I am getting ready to start my own family. So what advice can you offer to me to help raise the strongest, most resilient kids that are going to be able to be the most accepting of anybody in any walk of life the way you have with yours? Absolutely. Uh, it's a great question. And of course, congrats to you and trying to, um, to build your family. Uh, it's a lot of work. You know, and it's great to do it after quarantine because <laughs> having my little ones home during quarantine was an interesting situation. But I think it is. Uh, so my mom, the one thing that my mom did was she just repeatedly drilled things into my head. She still does it now. Like I'm 33 years old and she's still telling me to stop cursing. You know, um, <laughs> so it's the, it's the repetitiveness, I think, of of that, of being a parent because you're tired and you're annoyed of repeating yourself. But children are children. A lot of the times they're seeing and hearing and experiencing um, life for the first time 
when we might have seen what's happening a hundred times. So repeating, re repeating things and repetition, I believe, is the key um, to trying to tell my kids because, you know, it's almost like brainwashing, if you will. Um, they're going to follow the habits. If you tell them to believe in one way, this is what they're going to believe ultimately and then show them with action, right? So, I, you know, I don't just talk about working out. My kids know I'm working out all the time, every day, all the time. Back at it. Oh, you're working out again? I have a gym in the garage. Put a gym in the garage, everything. They know, oh, daddy's going for a run, so they know. And that's it, you know, so trying to show them as well so that, like, if I'm pissed off, if my wife and I get in for an argument, try to go for a run opposed to having a drink, right? Just to kind of show them my reaction. But we all do the wrong thing, too. I'm screaming at my kids now because my patience is running very, very thin. Um, but, you know, trying not to do that as much, if you will. Uh, and I think that just showing them um, how I react to things and constant repetition on how to be better and, you know, what to do, even when they piss me off and they left the clothes there in the hallway for the fifth time or my son left the toilet seat up or they just left toothpaste everywhere you know like uh you know just all the little things i'm reminding them drain your washcloth out and hang it up on we have hooks there we have hooks in the shower they stuff it in this this uh, thing like why you know there's a hook here so but just constantly telling them over and over again <laughs> Yeah, in one of your documentaries, it was really cute. Your daughter was helping you to get your leg on so you could get out and go and do something with her. Yes. That, that, yes. That so would, that's, yeah, that's what I've been looking forward to. Daddy, go get daddy's leg. I've been waiting go for Go get daddy's months. leg. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So what have adaptive sports, fitness, and a healthy lifestyle done for you? And what can you say to those who are at the beginning of their fitness journey to motivate them to pursue a healthy lifestyle? And how does it help you to overcome challenges living with any sort of a physical impairment or disability? Uh, I think, uh, so for anyone who is starting their fitness journey in general, I think it takes um, focusing on your goal, having a goal, whether it's to look good, build muscle, lose weight, you know, change your skin, you know, increase your heart rate, whatever it is, um, focus on your goal. So know where you are, know where you want to be, know where you are, and then understand that it's everything in between. And that's the first thing. And understanding that whatever the bad habits are, write those down, whether it's you don't wake up, you know, late, early enough or so on and so forth, and utilize that fitness journey um, to beat up those bad habits. And that's what I do. And I utilize my fitness and being in shape to, because I don't want to, I hate the fact that I do X, Y, Z. So I'm going to work out more and be better and, and so on and so forth. And I use that as my crutch now. I use fitness as my crutch to be better um, because um, it lets off endorphins. So um, I'm actually going to talk about this at nine o'clock. I believe that we're in a big, you know, it's an issue with the mental state of people in general right now and mental illness is is a, a very interesting topic and depression a lot of people go through it and i have a lot of people that i've been talking and trying to help coach through suicide and i've been doing this my entire life and i see now more than ever that people need it because of all the options and the likes and how we uh, really take other people's judgment um so much into consideration almost over our own so confidence is key Fitness is the answer for that and for depression and fitness more than drugs before you go to your, your doctor and they prescribe you a pill. I, I urge you to try to take three or four days and work out first, you know, um, and, and 
incorporate that into your routine um, and make that a habit first before you start taking drugs and medication uh, because fitness will do something you know wonderful for you and it releases you know um, serotonin on its own which is a mood booster you know that's what happens when we you know when we do that and those endorphins so uh, it, the fitness journey for me along with finding my faith honestly more so than ever has just been uh, incredible and I just want to Share it with the world, and I feel like everyone else should do it too. But <laughs> I hundred and ten percent agree with with what you just said there. It was absolutely awesome. I love how you hit on mental health because that's something near and dear, close to my heart. But when you're not doing stuff with impossible, you're not speaking, and you're at your you're at your day job, so to speak, with Hanger as a community care advisor. How like can you explain what you do? and how your personal experience has helped you? Yeah. Uh, so I've built my entire life off of my personal experiences. And so when I'm at Hangar, um, you know, I, so I cover eight offices uh, from Long Island all the way to White Plains. And so I, you know, I have eight locations which ha have you know, hospitals and facilities all around them where you know, rehabs, you know, subacutes. So I'm just kind of popping in and out for new patients um, older patients. So I might work with PT in regards to ambulating, you know, and giving guidance on walking, right, of course. And I might see a new patient pre and post, you know, pre or post op and educate them. I have literature, uh, I mentally try to get them through it, show them videos, um, and get people either prepared for the journey or after amputation, let them know that their life is not over. Um, and this can actually be the next chapter for them. Uh, so kind of walking people, you know, no pun intended, through that. Um, experience and make sure that I'm there for them. So, and I'm more like a case manager, if you will. So, um, all the new patients all around New York, I'm making sure I follow up with them. I'm following up with the vascular surgeons. I'm following up with the nurses, whoever it may be, um, so that while the patient is healing, uh, once they get home, um, that we make sure that we get them an appointment. Um, make sure that their appointments are going well. Make sure that we're getting them up and walking. If a prosthetist is not on their job, smack them around a little bit. You know, so um, that's you know, that's that's what I do. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, in services, do a lot of in services um, for, you know, PT, residents, vascular surgeons, so on and so forth, um, and education and clinics as well. I love it. There, there needs to be more comprehensive collaborative care. I feel very fortunate. I work at Spalding Rehab and there's a lot of comprehensive care there. And it's great to see that there's a lot of it at other centers outside of the Boston area. So I applaud what you do. It's, it's very needed. Thank you. Um, so when you're not changing lives, and when you're not a super athlete, what do you do to relax and have fun? Um, that's definitely just time with the family. So, um, so right now, technically, I'm supposed to be off for two weeks, and I'm still working because <laughs> I don't know how to stop working, right? And I'm actually going away. So this Thursday, um, you know, spending time with my family is the real answer. And just kind of hanging out literally with my kids, goofing off, you know, or playing some video games and just kind of, or watching a movie with my wife, just regular stuff, you know, literally doing nothing, right? Just like leg off, you know, or and just yeah. chilling. Um, but we're going away this weekend, actually. So we're taking our kids away and um, just to try to, you know, have some fun and, you know, get, you know, kind of get out of this, this hecticness of, of being in the same corridors for so long. And so that's going to be my downtime so where I can decompress, but I'll still be doing some zoom calls. I got meetings so that we can't miss, you know what <laughs> I mean? In between. So, but we will be 
downtime and my business partner's on here. So he's already, he's like, really, I need you to take downtime. So he's like, he's like, <laughs> you know, um, so I'm going to do a little bit of that too, for sure. Spending time with the family. <laughs> awesome. Soak it up and enjoy the moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now I want to dip back into you know your athletic side a little bit. Now you were obviously training for the Paralympics due to COVID. You know that has been canceled and pushed off to next year. Now, do you see that as a disappointment, or do you see it as an advantage because now it gives you more time to get ready? Oh, James, such a great question, my brother. Or is it, it all? <laughs> so, for me personally. I see it as a disadvantage for everyone else and an advantage for me because if I, I would not be going to the Paralympics, I don't know if I'm necessarily even going next year, but I would not be going if it was this year. I only made the decision because of COVID. Um, because, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know who uh, Rudy Garcia Tolson is, yeah. um, but he is a very, very good friend of mine. He's like a brother of mine. And, you know, he's a gold medalist and a silver medalist and a bronze medalist. And um, so, We've had a lot of talks, you know, him and I just got back from Africa together right when COVID hit, you know, in February. And so he, you know, he decided to, he said, he's going back. He said, you know, he said, because of COVID, you know, what, I'm going to make a run for it. And I said the same thing. I said, you know what, this is my time. I've been thinking about doing triathlon for like four or five years. And this is just my time because now all trips have been everything. You know, usually I'm going at a mile a minute, like I'm talking, da, 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 right? Like that's how my life is too. So uh, you know, right now I'm a little stiller and I can focus on training and I feel like it's a, it's a sign. So I've used COVID, um, as motivation to train for next year. And that this is the, that's what I feel the purpose is. So whatever happens, happens, but I'm giving it my all. And Rudy's giving me his bike actually. So he gave me his triathlon bike. He was like, are you going to do this? I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I went to his house, picked up the bike. Like, so, you know, having that type of support, um, is amazing. And uh, so, yeah, a lot more to come and just trying to be the best version of myself. But COVID has been an advantage for me um, and hopefully will continue to do so um, in the future. Wow. So, you kind of answered my next question. My next question was, how has COVID affected your training regimen? And it sounds like you just got after it. Um, uh, no, not, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The first eight weeks, I didn't do anything. Like, okay. no exercising. I did zero. First weeks, uh, first, and that's what led to this um, okay. of doing nothing. So um, I'm that type of person that, uh, you know, we all need that downtime and being in that dark mm -hmm. space, uh, but I can never be there too long. Uh, so a lot of times I use that as growth, like almost being a caterpillar, you know, in a cocoon and trying to come out as a butterfly. So first eight weeks, my wife is a nurse, uh, so she got mandated for four days. Um, you know, I have a seven and a five-year-old and, you know, they were homeschooling and then I was working for, for Hanger from home. So I'm literally like muting, trying to do homework, having a patient call. It was like, I was losing my mind. My wife wasn't here and she 12 hour days, not like she's out for eight hours, you know, it's, then she's four days a week, 12 hours a day. Um, can't hug the kids coming through the side door, changing as soon as she comes in, doesn't want to sleep upstairs because of the whole situation. It was a nightmare. I was depressed. I was depressed. And uh, to, to be completely honest with you, and I was drinking during the day, this and that. It was just, it was, it was too much. And so then, then I, you know, that time comes, I had to smack myself around, and I said, "That's it." So I had to start. I 
I write down things a lot, so I had to make some rules for myself. It was the first thing. Let's make some rules here, you know, <laughs> and this is it. And then I said, all right, that's it. It's time to get back into training because I, I didn't know what to train for. I didn't know what was coming, what's next, what are we going to do. There's no events, what, like, what, what, you know. So and I said, you know what, I'm just going to get in the best shape possible. I'm going to get in the best – actually, I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. And then everything else just started going from there and then just steamrolling. And so now I am in uh, – I am actually in the 12th week of my journey and I'm feeling great. Awesome. I've seen a lot of your workout videos, especially the ones with A3. Yes. And I started sweating just watching them. A3 <laughs> <laughs> workout, and that was part of it. So I started the first uh, five weeks by myself, and then A3, so it's my uh, friend Chris Jean-Pierre. I've known him for 13 years now, and so we've been buddies for a long time. And I'm like, bro, like, What's up? Well, let's do a workout in the park. He's like, yo, I'm down. We were on Instagram, commenting on a picture. He's like, I'm down. I'm like, all right, bet. He's like, send me a message. I'm like, all right. And we were like, Friday. He's like, all right, I'm in there. So we did one. And then he's like, bro, let's do it twice a week. I was like, say, say, say less. And that's it. So I incorporated that. So that's my strength and conditioning training. Um, and so I have triathlon training. And then I go to him for strength and conditioning. We're working on some of the other muscles um, and, you know, my agility. Uh, and then I do weight training as well on the side. So, Love it, man. You're a man on a mission. Now, for someone like me who's never been to a Limp Possible event yet, um, can you describe that experience and, and what you hope for people to get out of it and just the energy? Oh, man. So I had a vision, you know, even when I was young, that I would be able to create something to help people. And, you know, the fact that I was able to, you know, I actually partnered up with a few of my friends um, when we first started it. And we really kind of just came out the gates running. Uh, and, you know, to have the idea to create the logo um, for something that was inside my head, it was just, uh, honestly, I can't really describe it. it is my mother is as choked up about it as I am, uh, because even she would say, you know, I can see this happening for you, even when I was a kid, you know, feeding me, you know, that motivation. So to have it and then to put on an event, you know, to speak to a thousand people and really just tell my story, you know, I rap during my speeches, you know, um, I do a lot of like nuances and sayings and quotes and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, that, that part is just, um, something that I couldn't describe. And so I'm very fortunate to do that. Our basketball events, those are nuts too. And they're a lot of fun to kind of see amputees going against able bodies and really competing yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. So, um, and especially I'm very lucky that, uh, so I have a sponsor in Brooklyn, uh, Game Over, Eric Hicks. He's been very, very supportive of Limpossible since day one um, has given us a platform, so. Amazing. So, Getting a little down and deep here at the Adaptive Collaborative Podcast, we believe in our three G's, which are gratitude, grace, and grit. What role have they played in your own journey and why? Wow. I like those three G's. Uh, interesting. I think that they all play a huge part, even currently in my role um, every day. Because as a father, um, as a professional prosthetic industry, as an athlete, you know, gratitude, grace, and grit, you have to keep all of them through each endeavor, right? You, you know, you have to be humble, you know, um, and smart and caring and understanding, um, but then you also have to be hungry, you know? So I actually even like the order that you have them in. 
um, to be completely honest, because that's what it is. You know, at the same time, you, you always leave with nice, um, but you have to be hungry and continue to stay hungry um, at the end of the day, but also humble yourself no matter what's going on. So um, no matter what happens, you know, continue to just try to strive for more. And if you're always trying to be better, you know, um, then you can always just keep that gratitude, that grace and grit and stay a student of the game. Okay. Now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a really tough question. I, I saved this one for last, so I hope it kind of lives up to lives up to the billing. But what is the <laughs> best lesson that you've learned in life this far? Thus far, the best lesson that I've learned in life this far is faith. Faith. I'm coming back around to it. It was taught to me as a child. It was put in my head as a child, and I got away from it for a long time, too. And um, as soon as I came back around to it, everything else started making sense. Like, literally, the light huh, started opening up. It was just completely weird. And even when I thought it wasn't, it was. And it's just funny how that happens uh, and the signs that are there. If you can see the signs and you're paying attention, uh, you know, faith Faith is what it is because faith is the vision of understanding and being complete um, and being comfortable with yourself. Uh, I always spend a lot of time worrying, worrying if I was doing this is right. If I look good when I was doing it, was my speech okay? Did they like me? Was my outfit okay? Was my sleeve on my leg bunched up? You know, like just <laughs> everything just all the time, just constantly worrying, worrying, worrying. But once I took a deep breath and realized that, you know, everything was okay, everything always ends up being okay. I've been through so much in my life and I always end up okay. And no matter what, it's all for a reason. Just continue to keep your faith. Um, and, and, and that's it. Faith and focus. So what is next for you? What do you what see is in next? the next five, 10 years? So I have a huge five, 10 year plan. Uh, you know, a lot that I won't even say, but got some things in the works, but right now, uh, you know, down the line, hopefully next year, again, triathlon. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of plans, but I don't want to start offsetting because this is a goal that I have to try to stick to. Uh, but also, you know, trying to drum up my book, uh, which is something that I'm working on. Um, and it's not uh, actually about my life. I'm not there yet. Um, but I do have a book that I've kind of been working on. So just that, continue to build Limp Possible and continue to, to build my speaking career, becoming a better athlete, you know, um, better even with finance so that this way it's even more comfortable as I get older and my children get older and time and money don't conflict. Right. So that's always the goal, making sure that those two don't coincide, which is advice to you too, Mel, because uh, yeah. time, money, family woo, becomes a lot. Start burning that candle at both ends, you know? Um, <laughs> so, but it, you know, that's it. So I, for, for me, um, it's just trying to be better. Uh, trying to be in the best shape as possible, continue to build my career and build my children uh, and, and my family to, you know, to be the best. So I can't have a set goal. I just want everyone to be better. Awesome. And how can people connect with you? At Limpossible, anything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Limpossible at Gmail uh, is, the, uh, is my email. Limpossible.org. And, you know, anything at Limb Possible. I'm all here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Robert, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, we just have just a few more minutes left, so I want to turn yeah. it over to the audience, see if we have questions for you, 
And um, again, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you guys, and thank you so much for having me. So if you have questions for Robert, would be the time to unmute your mics and shout him his way. Okay. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, inspirational. Um, I'm not uh, that far off in you from age. I'm 32. I grew up playing uh, basketball. I didn't rap, but I listened to rap music. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a physician. I'm training uh, in rehabilitation medicine. Part of our curriculum and part of what I do is uh, try to help people that have had amputation, whether uh, congenital or acquired. Um, and so uh, it's interesting for me to to learn from you, uh, which is what I try to do, uh, you know, learn from everyone. But it's interesting to learn from you as, you know, I can see how uh, we both grew up in the same time, liking similar things, and you're inspiring uh, people from your end. Uh, so for me, um, as a physician who's going to be caring for the people that you, you seek to inspire, and, uh, you know, maybe even you one day, I wouldn't be able to tell anybody because it would be a HIPAA violation. But, um, but uh, you know, just in general, right? Like, uh, how, what what can physicians uh, do better for for people that listen to Limb Possible? Because there's definitely a lot that we can do better, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll always get better and better. Wow! Um, first of all, Jonathan, thank you so much for just tuning in and um, sharing a little bit of your story and asking a phenomenal question. I really appreciate it. Um, and that was pretty funny. The HIPAA violation thing really got me, man. It's pretty funny. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so yes, I think that the first, the, the biggest thing that I say is uh, in re any regard, you know, not just Limp Possible, just any organization. There's so many people here who belong to so many amazing organizations. I think what we all really want is to help people. And then those people help people, right? So, you know, because I, when I meet someone and they're in the hospital and they just went through an amputation, a lot of times I tell them, I say, you know, obviously this is a tough time now, but this will really make sense in a year and a half from now or two years from now when you meet an amputee or someone who's just going through an amputation and you can help them through that situation. That's when it all starts clicking for you because you're like, oh, I'm going through this, you know, I have a purpose. You know, it's um, interesting. There's a young man that I know who um, had meningitis. He's a quad, and uh, he's 16 years old. We were doing a support group at Camp No Limits, actually. And he, you know, he said, you know, my, a lot of kids my age, you know, are searching. And, you know, I, I have my amputations, and I feel like I have a purpose. And, you know, you know I was, my, I was, my limbs were taken away, but I, I was given a purpose. You know, there's some kids who are able-bodied, and they, you know, they are searching for themselves. And that really stuck out to me. I, I, I try to tell anybody that story anytime I can because, you know, this kid is 16 years old, his face, arms, and this is what he's preaching. And to me, that's just courage, you know, and a complete understanding of life at such a young age that most people will never, ever understand. So um, I think that in regards to you being efficient, uh, a, a physician or a clinician, you're a CPO or is that what it is? Um, yeah. So uh, currently I uh, finished medical school. I'm in training in uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation. So we are, okay. you know, generally the, the physicians who work with uh, prosthetics and orthotics, you know, uh, I get consulted prior to, an amputation. So we'll meet, you know, we'll meet an individual. We, we, we give our recommendations about whether or not we think it's the right time for it to happen. Uh, and then, um, then afterwards, you know, arrange for, 
therapy, rehab, um, uh, emphasizing, you know, function, quality of life. Uh, and one thing that I really find enjoyable and, you know, it's nice to listen to you speak. And one of the reasons why I got into this is because I've found that the individuals who go through this in life, they develop a certain set of skills uh, out of necessity because your, your back is up against the wall and it's, it's do or die in, for your life, basically. And then um, you develop a skill set that you can then apply to other things. And I think there's a lot of people that might never go through an amputation or they might never go through any medical issue whatsoever. Um, and they actually end up worse off because they never go through the process of challenging themselves uh, with a fire under themselves where where failure is not an option. So, um, yeah, know. Uh, no, well, 100%. So uh, um, still to answer your first question, I just want to say, so I think the biggest thing in regards to, you know, um, into your craft is just, again, helping people as much as possible um, and just letting those people that you help know, now I need you to pay it forward. And I think that we all can relate to any physician, clinician, um, any of our therapists that, showed up to our event or told us about events or pointed us in the right direction, those are the ones that we connect most with. The ones that went out of their way to told us, hey, you can do more other than me just seeing you here in the office for an hour. Hey, there's a support group. Hey, there's a meeting. Hey, there's a, you know, whatever the case may be, a TV show or anything. Um, when they get wind of things and pointing you in that direction, um, those are the ones that we uh, as patients build the best relationships with. So um, just be active in the community um, in it, and we, you have your own personal life, but just a little bit um, and that will resonate with your patients. I believe sure. that's excellent advice. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate the question. Sure. I think Trayvon had a question. Hey, Melissa, I sure do. Hey. Hey. What up, boy? What's up, Robert? <laughs> I was wondering if you would recognize me. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Man, I'm blessed, man. It was uh, truly a blessing to, to, to hear you share tonight, man. Uh, so, Melissa, Robin and I actually did the uh, Paris Spartan in Laughlin last year. That's where we met. Um, and, and I tell you, man, I've been, I've been, I've been following your story. Uh, you know, I just kind of peek over to your page ever so often. I said, man, this young man is on fire. I, I didn't really have a question, man, but I wanted to thank you. Um, as always, man, you, you, you're, you know, you're younger than I am, right? So for me, I, I see a young man that carries a light with him, right? And, and you have this ability to just give that light uh, freely. So I'll, I'll, I'll share something with you. Um, you know, I was just up in the mountains of Colorado last week, man, and it was no TV, no radio, no computer, no phones for a week. And uh, it, the, the, the reason I'm sharing that is because it challenged us to really uh, reconnect with our faith and reconnect to God and have some, some of the conversations that, as men, sometimes we don't want to have. And, man, when I tell you I came back down uh, with some clarity, and I didn't even realize that you were going to be on tonight because my, you were on my list. To, you and Melissa were on my list to, to reach out to tomorrow um because you know uh my my situation living with a brain injury and living with epilepsy and um now i i, I and even in the amputee community right i've had my struggles because i don't have a leg amputation on arm it's just it's just three fingers is what people tell me but what they miss right is the the mental side of the struggle that i went through for over two years in fact i i've lost 
uh, over 80% um, grip strength in my left arm because of those amputations. And so a lot of times the mental side of things, and I always hear you talk about that, the mental struggle with, with amputation, the, the emotional crisis that people go through, man, I, I love hearing you touch that because when I went, I'll be honest with you, when I went through the doctors I saw, they never talked to me about that. Uh, so, so it was my poor wife and my family that had to help me overcome the depression that I had to deal with until I found the Adaptive Training Foundation. And that took me to a whole nother level. So again, man, continue sharing your life. Continue uh, spreading that, that energy of yours. You, you, you have a gift, man. And, and I'm so thankful that we connected and I look forward to continuing um, to seeing your story unfold, but I also look forward to you and I sharing a stage one day. So we'll talk more about that. All right, man. Thank you, my brother. Wow, thank you, thank you, man. You just touched my heart. I really appreciate that. For real, for real. That was a uh, that was amazing, and I'm so glad you shared and you jumped on it. And of course, man, you was kicking up dust out there in Laughlin, boy. I was like, oh nah, yeah, yeah. But it was a good time. It's a good time. We make sure we do that, brother. I'm always happy to share stage, connect, whatever we can do um, to spread some positivities and change some lives and make a difference for sure, my brother. But thank you, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Definitely. That means a lot. Well, you know, Robert needs to run in a few minutes because you had a back-to-back -back engagement today. So we will be respectful of your time, and I'm going to lead it over to James to close us out for the evening. Appreciate it. Robert, Robert, thank you so much for, again, joining us. We look forward to seeing everything that you do with Impossible. Thank you for everything you do for our community as a whole. I mean, I think everybody that spoke tonight has really said my sentiments, but thank you to the audience for tuning in. Again, you can look for this on YouTube very soon. Robert, thank you for your time. And next week, we actually have uh, Dr. John who asked a phenomenal question. So get ready to hear his story and um, what drives him as a physician. So we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Robert, thank you again. Really appreciate your time. Take care. Thank you guys so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. And I love what you guys are doing for the amputee community. So please, please keep spreading awareness and um, having this platform for others to share their story. And it just really means a lot to be on episode five, which five is my favorite number. So I love it. <laughs> yes, I have a, a Tuesday Talks. People, you guys can all join me uh, 9 o'clock um, you know, right now on Limpossible, at Limpossible Instagram Live. Um, I have No Leg, No Problem on there. Josh Smith, who's a above-the-knee amputee, um, is a strong competitor, competitor. We will be addressing cancer, depression uh, as well. And um, I do it every Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to having you guys on the show as well, Trey. We, let's make it happen uh, for sure. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the community and having me on. You too. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Anything's Take possible. Care. Anything's possible.